Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody to the hockey think tank podcast brought to you by the hockey think tank.com a website for all players parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet what an episode we have for you guys here today we are bringing on a dynamic duo we got Rutger and Jimmy McGrory coming onto the podcast. And what an episode this was. Jimmy McGrory actually coached a one Jeffrey Lavecchio back in junior days. And now he is the general manager of Muskegon in the USHL. His son Rutger uh, grew up in Lincoln when Jimmy was coaching out there, but then eventually moved on to Michigan and uh, played for the U.S. national team program, was a first round draft pick for the Winnipeg Jets a couple years ago. And this year he will be a sophomore at the University of Michigan. So obviously I got the chance to work with him last year. And this was an unbelievable conversation, father-son duo. But let's bring on the talent of the podcast first, the one Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's going on today, brother? I'm buzzing, man. This was uh, this was super nostalgic for me. It was super happy for me. I've seen Jimmy a couple times in the last uh, ugh, 20 years. This will be 20 years. No, no, 19. This will be 19 years. Might I've as seen well him a couple 20. times. Yeah, might as well. We're right. We're right <laughs> there. But don't, don't, don't give me that much more gray hair. All right. 19, not 20. Uh, under two decades. And, uh, you know, he was so impactful in my career. Um, in so many different ways, so so many different ways. Uh, it was really, really good to see him. And then I got to meet Rucker before uh, um, when I went and spoke to USA and TDP and worked out with them and did some testing stuff with uh, Brian Galvin, invited me up there a few years ago and like, you know, remind me of his dad, just like the energy, the bubbly energy, you know? And I was like, oh my God, it's like I'm talking to Jimmy Mac. Just, uh, this is a cool one for me. It's so, uh, uh, man, the, there's so many things that stuck out in my mind in this podcast that I think so many people are going to love for me, the draft story from Jimmy and his point of view. And then Rucker's point of view. That was like, I was tearing up on that actually too. I was yeah. like, wow, this is man. Like so cool. It is. It is cool. And you kind of reflect upon just, especially the coaches that had a really big positive impact on you growing up. And I right. feel the same way, just having gone up to, to Madison just last weekend for, um, Will Nickel, who is the director of player development for Vegas for his Stanley Cup party. And the fact that he invited me, he was my junior coach, probably the same year that you're talking about with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and for him to invite me up there to the cup party and and to see him and just be so happy for him um in in doing those things and, and winning the cup and and just elevating his his career to where it's gone to, just unbelievable. And I think, you know, even talking off the air, and, and I'll say this about Will too, like their superpowers is just how much they care about you. 
You know, right. when you have a coach that just really truly cares about you and puts in the work to help you develop as a player and a person, like those are the people that make the biggest impacts in your life. And so, yeah, it was cool to see you get a little bit of emotional when, when Jimmy was talking and when you were talking about your experience back in Omaha, cause I felt the same way a couple of weeks ago, seeing Will like hoist the cup over his head. Like it just yeah. like, he couldn't yeah. be happier. So dope. And I think that's why I was getting emotional when Jimmy was talking about you know, what it was like on draft day for him from his point of view, because I was just like, man, this is the guy who helped me like so much, like over the course of just one season made me such a better hockey, but increased my hockey IQ so much by just watching video with me every single game, um, every shift of every game in the VHS era. We're talking stop, rewind, pause, tapes getting <laughs> eaten, no ships broken down right to your email. Not a thing in 0405, guys, right? The interweb was still pretty new, actually. It's relatively so. There was no um, exchangeogram, nothing on the line. No exchangeogram. You, know? you couldn't put it on the line. Um, we're in a blender. Now we're out. What? <laughs> um, favorite part of that movie. What? If you know that movie. <laughs> Well done, guys. Uh, DM me. Uh, and I love when people actually DM me and they just say the name of the movie. And I know exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what they're talking about. Like, you listen. Yeah, let's go. And then how, uh, we get a lot of those DMs and emails, too. Like, Yes, I love it. It makes me happy every time. Uh, that's know. a follow back for sure on the gram right there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, you hit the nail on the head. You know, it, it's really cool when a coach can play such a, a vital role in your career. And, uh, you know, they probably do that year after year after year after year for so many players. So, you know, I think it's I think it's really cool when players tell coaches that, you know, because we're both coaches and we've had players say things probably similar, maybe not that much. But and it's it's it, it means a lot. It's like, all right, man, I'm, I'm glad. Like, hell, yeah. You know, I put a lot of work into that and into helping you. And so just to hear you, you know, realize that it's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. So. I was happy to be able to say that to Jimmy, you know, face to face via Zooms, close to face to face we can get. <laughs> close ish yeah. in this day. Face to Zoom. Face to Zoom. No, that's so true, man. I mean, that's actually a really good point. Like, and I think that's similar for like player to coach, but also like kid to parent. Like as a parent. So one of the things I did with one of my mentoring sessions, I was mentoring this kid in the Chicagoland area. And I had him just tell his parents thank you. Like just something simple as that, like, Hey, just yep. tell your parents what you told me, because we talk about like, who's the hardest person, hardest working person, you know, um, who's the most resilient person, you know, and he was talking about his parents, mom and his dad. So I'm like, tell them, like, say, thank you. Like, tell them that you're, they're the most resilient person, the hardest working person, stuff like that. And then I got a note back the other day, uh, from the parents being like, that meant so much to us. Um, so cool. because you do like you put in so much thankless hours and so much work, whether you're a parent or you're a coach and like even just, you know, getting the chance to work with rut last year. Like when I told the boys that I was leaving, like the amount of guys that were like, love you, Toph. And like, we're going to miss you so much. Like that means a ton. Like I'm going to yeah. like, that's going to be something that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. Right. And you know, it, it is like, it's funny that you say that because it, it does make an impact for the, the elder statesmen to, to hear that from, um, from the youngins for sure. Yeah. Dude, I put that on my Instagram the other day because I had a tech, a super nice text from a, a college player who worked with me online all off season. And he had never actually like trained, like to be a hockey player. He just kind of like worked out. Right. And, and he was good enough to, you know, play college hockey. And so we talked before this, uh, uh, summer and talked about a plan and all this stuff. And 
she sent me just like the nicest text, you know? And I was like, Hey man, like that means a lot to me. Like just so you know. And so then I put on my Instagram, like any players out there who of any sport today for me as a favor to me, like send a text, thanking them, telling them, you know, whatever their time, effort, energy meant to them, because it'll mean more to them than you'll ever know until yeah. you start coaching. <laughs> and then you'll get one of those and you'll realize how, how special it is, you know, to receive that. And so I'll give the same, the same uh, uh, challenge to any podcast listeners out there, send a text, email, DM to a coach, a parent, you know, volunteer who, who has meant something to you, helped you in some way, because it will mean so much to them, you know, so don't be afraid to do things like that. And, and you know, that's how we'll make the world a better place too. For sure, for sure. Well, Rucker McGordy is somebody who's going to make the world a better place. That comes out with flying colors on on this for podcast. Sure. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, one of my roles last year at Michigan um, was kind of being the keeper of the NHL draft interviews. So we had Adam Fantilli, who was going to go really high, Gavin Brindley, who was going to be a first-round draft pick. Um, so we had a lot of teams coming through to to interview them and things like that. And so it was amazing, like, because Rutt got drafted the year before that in the first round. And the amount of scouts that when they came in or, you know, when I was talking with them on the phone uh, about setting up those interviews or just, you know, shooting the breeze about whatever, like the amount of guys that were like, how's Rutt doing? Like, how's Rucker wow. doing? Like, he's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Like, he's just an wow. unbelievable kid. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was unbelievable. Wow. And so um, just just, uh, just a lot of positive energy. And, yeah, it was really fun to be around him last year and and just the whole Michigan team. And, um, yeah, really cool to get him on here with his dad. That was that was really neat. That was really neat. Yeah. And obviously, both of us know Jimmy and, and know how much he wears his heart on his sleeve and yep. knows how much he cares. And, and um you know, we always say this guys, like, and for all the parents list, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I've sat in so many recruiting rooms, so many recruiting rooms as a college assistant coach, where your job is to evaluate talent and evaluate character and evaluate families. And like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree very often. And so just a, a glaring example of that here. And it was really cool too, to talk about like the upbringing and Jimmy coaching rut coming up through in, in youth hockey and some of the things that they would do because they had like three first round draft picks on their youth team in the NHL. Plus like more NHL draft picks and guys that went on to play division one college hockey and juniors and stuff. And so it was really cool to get in the nitty gritty of from both of their perspectives about just like hockey development coming up, which I think is going to help a lot of the coaches that listen to the podcast too. Absolutely. That, that was a cool part too. I'm excited for them to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. So let's not keep them waiting anymore. We, before we get over to the McGrorities, we have some people to thank. First person I want to thank is John Lounsbury and Gel Sticks, our title sponsor. They've been with us for so, so long. And uh, go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com today. Use the coupon code THINKTANK, one word, and you will get a discount on a weighted training stick or lacrosse stick or golf club. Pros use it. College guys use it. Jeff uses them in the gym with the boys. Um, the NTDP uses them. This is a, just a great training tool to have. So go to gelsticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com and get yours today. Vex, go. want to thank Train Heroic. Uh, picked up two new teams this week of coaches who listen to the podcast that are having me create training programs for their teams throughout the season. Uh, one team, one organization is four teams, actually, double um, A central states. And then one is a younger team, double A. Um, I can make programs where they can do stuff at home once or twice a week or 
at a gym if it's players you know 14 years or older um when they should be starting to lift weights here videos of everything so i want to thank train heroic for allowing me to help so many hockey players including an NCAA division one team that i am the strength coach for all online this year because i got the, the, in a little pickle with some visas but i'm able to do that because of this app so i just want to say thank you to train heroic also want to say thank you to cure nutrition got a discount code for you guys gmbm obviously it's my code for every company that i work with and believe in I take CBD twice a day. helps my brain. I've had 14 uh, times my brain's been scrambled. It helps keep my stuff tight. And uh, if you have any questions about CBD, how it works, why it works, when to take it, how to take it, all the different ways, all right? Uh, Cure Nutrition is the best company that I have ever worked with, ever tried. Um, I use multiple of their products daily. So discount, GMBM, go to their website, curednutrition.com. Was there a little silent burp in there at the end of that? I did sign up. I was hoping <laughs> the microphone didn't get it. <laughs> Had a smoothie before this. Sorry, listeners. I saw that. I saw Steph, that. Steph, keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> um, also want to thank new sponsor Helios Hockey. So Helios Hockey, what a great product this is. Uh, you put a sensor in your shoulder pads and it allows players, coaches, and parents to just get like immediate feedback after a game. So not only can you get feedback on what they call a hustle score for how hard you're working uh, as you're on the ice, but also stride mechanics, a lot of things that have to do with your skating. But one of the biggest value adds is this cuts the video for you right there. And you can get instant feedback right after the game. It has your shifts that are cut and go right away and watch your shifts. Like how unbelievable Wild. is that, Vex? Yeah. Like if I had that as a kid, I would have been such a better hockey player. I needed that so badly. <laughs> so and I badly. would have been, I would have been like watching that all the time, like yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we talked about, right. We, we talked about like Jimmy McGrady, like freaking pressing the rewind button on VHS tapes 19 years ago. And, you know, probably going through an hour video session to watch like 15 minutes of your play. Now you can do that in a quarter of the time with Helios hockey and they work with teams of all levels from mites all the way up to national teams and uh, just an unbelievable, unbelievable product. And we encourage everybody in youth hockey to get it today. So uh, Helios hockey, awesome, awesome stuff. Also want to thank icehockeysystems.com, the premier website for all your coaching education needs. They got thousands of drills up there. They got whiteboard explanations of systems and structures and concepts and from some awesome, awesome hockey people. They also have a partnership with the Hockey Think Tank for an associations platform where you can get this for literally every single coach and parent within the organization for coaches. You can draw drills up. You can share them with your team. You can put them in libraries so other coaches in your organization can uh, see your practice plan, see your drills. And for the parents, they have access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So hockey directors out there, I guarantee you this will lead to less phone calls from angry parents having the opportunity to look at the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So go to icehockeysystems.com today, look up the Associations tab, and uh, and get this for your organization today. Lastly, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the amazing listeners out there. We so appreciate your support for our podcast. You know, we're almost five years in now in, in doing this, and we do this to provide awesome insight from just really, really cool hockey people in the game like Jimmy and Rucker McGroarty. And so if you can do us a flavor and send this out, share us, 
um, provide us with the rating, provide us with the review, uh, shoot us an email. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. What can we do better? What are some guests that you'd like us to have on? Uh, anything and everything that you guys have for us. We so appreciate all of that feedback. And uh, yeah, if you can continue to help share us and, and grow us to a bigger audience, um, that would be just huge to getting the message out there for us, which is we want to create more positivity in the hockey world. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. You guys are going to absolutely love this podcast episode. So without further ado, here we go with Jimmy and Rutger McGrory. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, we got the dynamic duo. It's Jimmy and Rutger McGrory. McGrory's, how are you guys doing today? Great, doing great. Well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really, really excited for this one. And uh, man, it's it's awesome to have an ex-coach of a one Jeffrey J. Hulavecchio on here to give us the dirt on Jeff as a teenager. So excited to dive into that a little bit later. But first, let's uh, right, let's take it way back. I'm sure your dad had a, uh, a pretty big impact on you getting into the game, but uh, you were born in Omaha, uh, grew up a lot in Lincoln before moving out to Michigan. Uh, but what was it that got you to fall in love with this great game of hockey? Uh, yeah, it was that guy right there. My dad, he, uh, he had the keys to the rink when I was growing up, him and I were always going on the ice. Uh, he was teaching me a bunch of, bunch of stuff. And, uh, he brought, he, honestly, I was like a four-year-old running around in the Lincoln stars locker room. And, uh, he, uh, he, he let me do a lot of things in that locker room and a lot of things on the ice. And uh, I just love the locker room, love hanging out with the guys. And that's, that's kind of where I fell in love with it. That's unreal. Was there, did you have like a favorite player in Lincoln when you were there? Yeah. Mike that, and that's yeah. why you wear two, right? And that's where I, yeah, that's why I wear two. He, uh, he was the fighter. He, he was the man. So, uh, that's why I wear two. I love it. I love it. Well, the Lincoln boys, when you were coaching there, Jimmy, you guys weren't afraid to play a little tough, eh? Uh, you know what? It was, uh, you ever been in the ice box? Those fans, they can uh, be a little crazy the rivalry between Omaha and Lincoln. And uh, it's a great, great spot to play. You know, the energy coming through the the building every night. And I, I think uh, the players really fed off of it. Oh yeah. And so did the visiting players having been a visitor <laughs> there for, for so long. We, we won, I want to say it was my second year in Chicago. Um, we won in overtime in Lincoln and it was like the best thing ever. Because for those of you that like, you know, that listen to the pod that don't know much about like the USHL or Lincoln, like it's the spot to play. At least it used to be. And they got that star that comes down for the starting lineups and the fans are crazy. I remember Benny Sire telling me a story when he was recruiting out there that he had like rum and Cokes just spilled on him all game, sitting, <laughs> sitting in the stands, watching the games and stuff. Um, but right. Hey, like that star is electric. We gotta, we unreal. gotta give, we gotta give that, that it's due course. I played all over the world. Played preseason games, NHL, all over college. I've never seen a pregame show like the Lincoln Star dropping down. And at least when Jimmy was coaching me when I was at in Omaha, the lights were timed to thunderstruck. Like absolutely electric. If you're a hockey fan, you got to go see a game there. Like, and I hate saying that because I'm an Omaha Lancer, and I absolutely hate the Lincoln Stars and everything about them and everyone who's ever coached there. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I was on both sides of the fence. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's it's just so electric. Like, I, that's that had to be so cool watching that as a kid. Hey, Rucker. Yeah, it was sweet. We had our me and my buddies had like our little like 
dancing area, like when they would play <laughs> whistles behind the bench. And I remember one time they had like these like towels when they made the playoffs and we were playing a team that like wasn't in the playoffs. And um, they, we like got their, t- got the towels and like me and eight of my eight year old buddies are like rubbing the towels on the opposing team's bench. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, we're, yeah. You fit it with the Lincoln crowd. They're pretty good doing that stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. But like, what do you remember about your childhood growing up in Lincoln, obviously going to the USHL games and stuff, but like, you know, we got a lot of kids that listen to the podcast and a lot of parents that listen with their kids kind of on their way to the rink uh, for hockey practice and hockey games and stuff. Like, what do you remember about the relationship with your dad, you know, as it related to both of your guys's love for the game of hockey and, and how it kind of filtered into who you are today? Uh, for me, it was a lot of mini sticks with my dad. We played so many, like if, when we weren't at the rink, we were playing many sticks. And honestly, the thing for me too, was like playing so many different sports. Like I, I think at one time, like my mom and dad were driving me from lacrosse to soccer, to baseball, to flag football, back to hockey, roller hockey. And like, they, like, I would say for me, it was always hockey, but like, you just got to have that competitive spirit, play different sports and, uh, Jimbo and my mom were always Maybe there. some nightmares with that big glove, eh? Yeah, I, I used to wear the baseball glove. I used to rob them back in the day. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you talk about multiple sports, Jimmy. Was that something that like, you know, because it's a it's a something that like Vex and I talk about all the time. We're huge proponents of, of kids playing multiple sports as long as you can. Was there a method to that madness or was that just something that just kind of happened when you were, um, you know, raising Rut and, and a sister? Well, I'm going to give my wife all the credit there. You know, I'm a hockey guy, played baseball growing up, but I think it's very important that uh, kids try all sports. Like you got to be a multi-sport athlete, working on the hand-eye coordination, just footwork and just, you know, working the IQ on uh, different sports and and you might not excel in all of them, but but you got to have fun. And, and, and we can't force kids to just because we played hockey or you're a major league baseball player or an NFLer. You got to allow your kid to find his own path and 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 what the right path. Like what JJ McCarthy, uh, star quarterback for Michigan, played for CYA 03s, right back in the day. So, you know, I think uh, you got to love it. You got to fall in love with it, and, and it's got to be the right sport for you. So, so it was important for for Rocker and Molly to both play, and they actually played on. Uh, they played some roller hockey together. They they played some baseball together, and and so it was fun for my wife to be able to take them to the same field and they were on the same team. That's, That's awesome. Massive. Go ahead. That's massive. Everybody, like we talk about this stuff all the time, how kids, everything that, that Jimmy said here, like guys, I know that the Joneses have their kids skating four hours a day, eight days a week. I know they have them doing that, but I'm telling you at when they are young, preteen, even early teens, have them play multiple sports because like coach said, you're literally going to be, be, you know, just training your brain in all these different ways to think in different patterns, to move in different patterns. The other thing on top of that too, is you're not going to get into these like overuse injuries that used to happen to players in their twenties and thirties. And now it's happening to like late teenagers because they play year round. They never take time off the ice and hockey is not a normal biomechanical movement. We have to give our hips and our back a rest some parts of the year. And you might as well have them play other sports because they're going to be more 
well-rounded person. They're going to be in different locker room dynamics, which if they don't ever make it in any sport, which most won't, it's going to help them over the course of their working career, having been in locker rooms where it's a different vibe in every single sport, different locker room, different things are, are, you know, pushed down on the kids with role, uh, roles and all that type of stuff. So it's massively important. I think the biggest thing is when you're playing the other sports, you're meeting other friends, like you're venturing out uh, of probably your comfort zone uh, at the main sport. And I think it was important. Like, I think that's what has really helped Rucker and, 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 and his leadership qualities. And, and also our daughter, like Molly, like they all played different sports, soccer or whatever it was. And so they weren't just friends with hockey, uh, families we were friends with all these families and and i think it was important for them to understand that everybody had different values yeah that's a great point and i think the other thing too is like you know obviously rut getting to to work with you last year like i would say that one of your greatest strengths as it relates to hockey is your passion for the game like you live it breathe it sleep it you absolutely love to play hockey you absolutely love the boys and like you know, if you push the kids at such a young of an age to, to make it so professional and it's 24 seven, like you're not developing the one thing in my mind that really matters if you want to be a truly elite hockey player. And that's loving the game, because when you love the game, you're going to want to work at it more. And when you want to work at it more, you're going to create better habits. And when you create better habits, you're going to, you know, become really, really good on the ice. And for me, it all starts with passion. So like, Rut, do you think that playing multiple sports and growing up in that environment around kind of like junior hockey and around your dad, do you think that that was like a huge determining factor to, to you falling in love with the game? Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I feel like, um, and also like, like the balance between everything, like, like, like you said, like you have to love it. Like if you're just doing hockey, 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 like you have no balance in your life. And like, as a kid, like you're going to eventually grow to hate it or just like, get sick of it and like having a big balance in, in your life even like right now like if it's seeing your family or hanging out with buddies like going to grab something to eat like just like you need a balance in your life and I feel like uh my parents taught me that at a very young age and once you have a balance then uh I eventually you just can't wait to get, get hop back on the ice and uh get after it that's so true i got three kids i don't got any balance in my life right now i'm, <laughs> I'm in it <laughs> i'm completely all you're doing it. is chasing them around exactly yeah. exactly three of them you outnumbered your hands i i know oh boy i'm 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 in it three girls too um <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting next eight years or so hopefully they'll take care of me once uh you know once they're out of the house but we'll see yeah we'll see we'll see well, uh, well, Jimmy, you got the chance. Obviously, you're you're a general manager in the USHL now, uh, but you were a coach back way back in the day when when Vex was playing. So I, I got to ask you first. I, I do want to get into my my meathead of a cousin over there at some point, but I really want to know like what's changed. You've been in it for for a long time now. The game has changed. Certain rules have changed. Like, what do you see? from the USHL kind of like when you were coaching in the early two thousands into being in a GM right now, some of the similarities, but also some of the things that are different, particularly about the game, but also about like the type of players that you guys are coaching and bringing into the program now. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, I, you hit it right on now. Everything has changed. The game has evolved. Uh, I think everybody back in the day, everybody worked hard. Right. And they all played physical and and we kind of didn't really know about uh, the creativity as 
uh, as much where, you know, you saw the great players back in the day, like Pavel Burry, Wayne Gretzky, all these uh, big times, Mike Badano, like all these big time players, like they were creative because they, they, they did extra. Right. And, and back in the day, there was an extra. Right. And, and all you did was basically, and there wasn't the YouTube, there wasn't the, 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 the sports, uh, not even sports center, the hockey network. Right. Like we, the kids nowadays, they have so many resources to get better. Where I think the kids, we were using beta, VHS, and I don't even know what else it was. And and sometimes the, the tape recorder would never work and, and we had to cancel the meeting. But but I think the biggest thing is 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 the uh, like Jeff is into it right now, full fledged. Like kids are taking it more serious and taking care of their body and and really uh understand what it takes to be a, a top athlete. And and so the USHL, you see how much faster it is, and and like just the, the plays are being made. The game has changed; it's not as much fighting. And and like you go in the ice box nowadays, it's a total different game, right? You come into Muskegon, it's a total different game. And 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 I think it's really benefited the the players' uh, stability to play a little bit longer. I think, uh, but the problem is there's so many good young players that they're coming up beating out the older players. And so when I took time away from after being in Omaha for five years, eight years in Lincoln, I thought I was a pretty good coach. And, and I think I always say, I always tell people the day that I'm done learning is the day that I'm done playing or, or coaching. Right. And I think it's important. Like if you're done learning, you may as well get out of it. And so when I took my time away to be in coach rocker and, and all his like go Jay and Nazar and all those guys and be a part of of all those big time players, it was really fun to watch the creativity. And, and I learned a lot with Brandon Narado, Matt Lark. And, and I think the, the creativity of the game has really changed and it really opened my mind to like, Hey, it's just not playing hard. And it's just not just showing up. Now the basement is hard work. You don't have the hard work and you're never going to make it, but you better have the creativity, the IQ, the passion, the drive. And, and so if you don't have that, you're not going to make it. So Rut, like, what do you remember about like some of those practices growing up? Because obviously on some of those youth teams that you played for and and Jimmy, you just mentioned a few of the names, you had some pretty, pretty studly players that you were playing with. And and a lot of that I'm sure had to do with his approach and, and how you guys were, were brought up in the hockey world. But like, what do you kind of remember about those practices? What do you remember about some of the things that, you know, your dad and some of your other coaches were really uh, hammering in on you guys at that age to create that creativity that allowed you guys to be so successful in the game even today? Uh, Yeah. I would say the main thing that I really learned, like, at that age, and I kind of struggled with it too, was like consistency. Like every time you come into the rink, like being dialed in, like working on your craft, like being like a hundred percent, like coming in, dialed in for practice, for workout, for and I didn't really get that until like 15, 16 years old. So like I would say if you can like hammer in your consistency from like a day-to-day basis, like that, like that was a big thing. Like I feel like at those practices, like you Imagine like 13 years old and you see Cutter Gauthier, Frank Nazar, like those, like you don't, but obviously they're elite hockey players and like the practices were spectacular. I mean, I, I still remember some highlight real goals scored in practice and uh, it was very competitive. Um, that's another thing is like compete, like talking about like, like my dad just said, like um, hard work is your basement. Like 
compete. I feel like there's so much room for guys out there. Like if you're just competitive and like want to win, like have the urge to win, like that's, that's everything. Totally. And like, Jimmy, just to piggyback on that, like what was the method to the madness in some of those practices and the things that you were trying to preach with the kids? Because I feel like it at the youth levels, what everybody is trying to do is teach creativity. It's a lot easier said than done. So like, was it a lot of small games? Was it certain, you know, habits or certain concepts that you were teaching these kids? Um, you know, you mentioned just three kids right there. Those are three top 15 picks in, in, in the NHL in the first round that came from your program. Um, like what were some of the things that you were trying to, to really instill in these kids at that age? Well, I think it was important that we learned that kids learn puck possession, right? Like the game back in the eighties and nineties. And even when I coached, it was a lot of dump and chase, a lot of like chip off the glass. And, you know, it wasn't really a whole lot of support in the puck and creating two on ones. I think like the, the dialogue of the game is really ramped up, you know, and, and, and like I said, you got to continue to get better. And these kids, like we, we could tell like coach Hamilton and, and coach Hatcher, uh, Kevin Hatcher was one of the coaches, like you got a hall of famer, pretty there, pretty, pretty good player back in the day that was running a decor. And so, you know, you had Hunter Briscavage and a few other kids uh, like Lane Hudson ended up playing and Honey Bake for, for a little bit too. And and so there was a lot of good players that came through the program. And I think what we really tried to instill is just creating two-on-ones, playing as a team. And, and if you if you were going to dump, let's chip the space. So it was advantageous to us. And and we could be able to create or beat or or, or get on the floor check and, and, and utilize our brains and, and our size. And, and, and obviously that honey baked team was a special team. Uh, There's a lot of other players that were very good. And, and I think uh, what they learned was how to play as a team. And I think like, like what people don't understand, like you, you summertime, everybody wants to do skill development, skill development and one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. Well, honestly, it's hurting kids and it's really hurting them from Utah hockey to make the transition to junior, which I think it's the hardest jump out of any jump versus college, the NHL or junior to college. And all these kids are doing one-on-one. They got to make sure whoever they're doing their skill development with is teaching them game-like situations. Because when they get in a game or a team-like atmosphere, their head's down. It's one-on-one trying to go through D instead of like, creating chips giving goes and things like that and and i think it's important that you they understand that they need to work on the situational part of the game because that's what it's all about it's yeah. down in areas one thing like i i've came and watched a couple of my dads like because my dad helps out with the honey bake program now and like my mom sister and i will go watch a couple games and like <clears throat> the one thing that absolutely drives me nuts when i go and watch those games is guys like trying to stick slip through people like old it's like that's so unrealistic like you're not like at the next level could you imagine coming in on like i don't know nolan moyle and doing that last year like you're gonna get lit up like <laughs> it, like so like the earlier you learn the game i feel like is is the better you guys, this is literally a topic that we've been talking about for four years, especially Tof saying how this was going to hurt. Like he was saying this four years ago on this podcast that the introduction of like only these individual skill base, he would always say there's not enough passing. You know, every kid's got their head down because they're doing stick, slip, stick, slip, stick, slip. And there's a time and place. But like, you've got to be working on this. And I can't even imagine 
if I had played for a coach when I was 13 years old, who one of those biggest things where it sounds like it was yours, Jimmy, is create two on ones all over the ice. Like that's what you do at the next level. It's constantly, how can we outnumber a guy, you know? And so to, to start to coach that at the younger ages for all the coaches out there listening, it's massively important. It's massively important because what's happening now is the game is like, it's not basketball. Like it's not one guy makes a whole team. But what I see is the players who are really good when they're younger. And I've talked about how I had this a little bit because I was just faster than everybody. When I was younger, all I would do is just put my head down and I would go wide. I didn't know how to do anything else when I got to juniors. I was awful my first year because there was two line pass, which, oh, my God, worst rule ever ruined the game of hockey, especially <laughs> for that. me. Especially I played in my yeah, I play yeah, I played that my first year. You played that probably your whole career, Jimmy. What a terrible rule. But um, you know, it the game is not played one-on-one at the higher levels. So, like I love that. Any coaches listening, I hope you take that, make a note, and, and you start uh uh focusing on that with your players and your practices. And and the biggest thing is like uh from from youth hockey to junior or or whatever, and even from junior to college is off pass or without the puck like all these kids and and i think uh rucker can attest to this like we really had to teach uh we had to go over about becoming f1 because he always had the puck right like when he's always had the puck he never really had to be f1 or or he had the puck and he didn't know how to play without the puck at times right and find the soft area right like so the elite players it almost is uh it works against them because when they go to juniors sometimes they don't know how to play without the puck. So and, did you make any rules for him or anything in practice where hey, or did you pull him aside? Quick, I got someone that wants to say hi. What's up? What's up, Jackson? How you doing, pal? How you doing? Good, how are you? You taking care of Rudd or what? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's you how's know, the preseason I'd like to going? See Hallam and Lavecchio in a race. Oh, <laughs> that would be a good race. Can you imagine that one? Vex Jackson might be the fastest player I've ever coached. Like, wow. Like, no joke. That's not challenge that's accepted. Not like, I'm 38 and I don't play anymore. Challenge accepted. We're going to get we you go. up. We're going to get you up to Ann Arbor and we're going to do it. Hey, good to see we'll you. Go blue line to blue line. You too, buddy. <laughs> oh, I like it. Well, just like what you guys are talking about, like, I remember, and and I've talked about my youth hockey coach, my crazy Russian coach all the time on, on this podcast. And like his biggest thing that he would lose his mind about is if you didn't move without the puck. So like if you pass the puck and stood still, he literally would stop practice and make you do somersaults. That was like your, your punishment was, wasn't skating. It was somersaults. And, and I credit a lot of that because it just makes you have to think the game. When you're moving without the puck, you have to find ways to get spots. You have to find places of support. And and for all the youth coaches out there, hopefully you're taking note of this. Like as somebody who has, you know, developed a ton of these players, he's a GM in, in the USHL right now and has seen it for so long, you know, that that play without the puck, man, like if you can develop that in your game, it, it's an absolute game changer in, in player development. I think it's just, it's it's everything. And it's I, honestly, on the I honestly right. think it like, Last year, I feel like it was the turning point of my season. Like, I feel like last year I didn't have the first half that I wanted to. And then going into the second half, like, I really paid attention to my play without the puck and, like, not just going to the net and, like, getting tied up at the net. Like, timing it, taking the right route to the net. Or if I'm at the net, tied up. And, like, when Husey would come down the wall, like, pop out to the slot and, like, 
Like the play without the puck is absolutely massive, especially in college hockey and juniors. Like popping into the right areas at the right time, like that's that's crucial. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned junior hockey, Rut, and uh, you got the chance to to be a captain at the national development program. Uh, what was your experience like there? I mean, you you know, you guys did some great things as a team when you were there. You you came out and you were a first round draft pick to Winnipeg afterwards. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience playing for the national development program. I mean, it's unbelievable. I feel like that's where you really separate yourself. Like like we were talking about earlier, like you have to love the game. I mean, you're at the rink because uh, our first year was COVID. So we were at the rink at 8 a.m. sharp and didn't leave until I think 4 p.m., 4.30 some nights. Like you're there all day. You're working out for two hours, skiing for an hour and a half, two hours. Like you're doing extra. Like guys, I mean, you're with 23 of the other best players in America. Like everybody's in the shooting room. Everybody's in the gym doing extra. You're like, it's tough to find a time slot with coach to watch a video. Like everybody, like that's where you really start to figure out your habits and who you are as like a person and player. Um, that it was the best thing for me. And uh, it's the, the practices were nuts. Like I swear every week we had at least one or two fights. Like the competitiveness on that team was nuts. Like it was one of the best moments, one of the best two years or two of the best years of my life. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. How, you know, how hard are you guys working in the gym? I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want everybody else to hear this in season. How hard are you guys working? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the places where we really separated ourselves was like, we, got after it in the gym like every single day even our recovery days like you're dialed in like you're not going in there and like messing around and just foam rolling like you're in there doing everything with intent like that's a big thing and like everybody nowadays like everybody's with the best trainer doing this like your intent like the intent there was unbelievable like if it was monday lifting having five six blocks you're in there for two hours like you're everybody's dialed in like you got the music blaring going like you're not just talking to your bodies like you are buzzing and like guys are screaming get, just absolutely getting after it like i have the chills just thinking about it. like it was it was unbelievable it was the coolest thing i've ever been a part of savage all right all you young players out there listening to that work out in season all right a lot of players are going to take the season off I'm telling you, this changed my career 100% when I got to juniors. It allowed me to pass so many guys. And I tell everyone, look at US NTDP. Those players all go in there, boys, and they come out absolute savage manimals. Right? Would, Every one of them. It's crazy. We would play uh, Friday, Saturday. Like, I remember, like, U-17 year, we beat the Chicago Steel, the team with the Fantilli brothers, Coronado, Farrell, Joe Miller, like those guys. We beat them Friday night, um, played them Saturday night, like two of the hardest games I've ever played in my life. And that Saturday night, while other guys might, other junior guys might be going out, hanging out with their buddies, like we were in the gym for an hour and a half after the game, just grinding, just like after a Friday, Saturday night, like just battles. We were in the gym working out. Like it was, it was nuts. Weird. Weird. Good thing Hasty didn't know that back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were just running stairs a hundred percent of the time. Whether we, whether we won by six goals or lost by six goals, not good enough. <laughs> you didn't get to the top. Start over. 
<laughs> Take out turnover. He, he he was good. He was really good. <laughs> anybody I learned how to coach or just uh you know just how to do things the right way. He you know that's why he had a great career in Mankato. Now he's in Wisconsin. Like if if you ever want to learn how to coach, you want to learn from him. His his attention to detail was it, you know it, it made me. It, it was a massive influence, not only on my hockey career and that influence of learning how important every single detail was of every shift, especially for a player like me who was subpar in skill as the, the higher levels I went, the more detail I realized I focused on, it allowed me to play at those higher levels, literally because of ev- all of the detail that was just beat into me by Hastings. To play at the next level, like you said, the details are the most important part, and that's where you can throw all the skill development and all the creativity. If you don't know the details of the game is where you get weeded out. I'm excited to see him in Wisconsin too, like adding that that big of a coach. Like he's gonna he's gonna turn that franchise and or turn that team into a to a, a, a very good team. One of, one of my guys um, was with me in the beginning of the summer. He went there for like a month, two months, probably came back for the last two or three weeks and just went back up there. And he was terrified of him. <laughs> Ter- he lost 10 pounds right away. Right away. This guy lost 10 pounds. He needed to. So I was I was like, good. You obviously needed him to get up in your ass because you needed that. And he, uh, just so funny. The look on his face. I was like, yeah, I've seen that look many times. <laughs> I've had that. Yeah. When you were looking in the mirror, <laughs> in the mirror every day, on the way to that was the look in my face. Oh man. Well, we got, we got to get into that a little bit. So Jimmy, you knew, you knew Jay who Jeffrey, when he was uh, a young and 16 to 18 or 17 to 19. Whatever. He coached me one year. I was 19. One just year. one year. Okay. My last year. year. So you got it. You got to give us something about Vex here. Like, you know, is there any dirt on them and anything that you have from Vex as a teenager, the, the podcast listeners want to want to know. Well, we just, uh, you always say we, we had the saying that, uh, he was so fast and, and the two line pass was probably his worst enemy. Because <laughs> he was too fast, right? He didn't know how to the edge work uh, east to west. He was definitely north south, and sometimes we wanted to open up the Zamboni door just so he'd keep skating <laughs> onto Lake Michigan, or you know, because he was so fast. That we were so lucky that there was boards in the rink, or we we would have lost them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, one the one thing about Vax, and and I really appro- appreciated coaching him is that you knew what you're getting every single practice every single shift uh he you know i think you were assistant captain i think you were right yeah for two and, years and 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 it's not always like uh i'm not saying like you got the Connor mcdavid's and you got the austin matthews like like it, it, you gotta have the guys like labacchio like the, the guys like those guys that are able uh you look at pat Maroon, right he doesn't even wear a letter on his jersey but you know he's he's part of the he's piece of the puzzle and and Bax was a definitely a big piece of the puzzle the energy and the practice brought the tempo up he, he he brought the tempo up in the game he was the first guy to stick up for his teammates in in if there was a scrum and uh, especially in the, the the Lincoln Stars and Lancers, uh, uh, there's no love loss between those two teams back in the day. And and uh, and and to top it off, he was he was one of the best teammates. Uh, uh, like uh, we went to his mom's house, like he went to his house in St. Louis there, and she cooked up the big feast and 
that, that's how long ago it is. St. Louis, like how long were they in the league for? Two One years? year, maybe two. One <laughs> yeah, one or two years. Right? It's like, hey, but we were lucky. We were able to go to Bex's house, eh? And have some fun, eat some pasta, some garlic bread. Aunt, Carl, Aunt Carl's uh, cooking and Uncle Phil's dirty jokes. That's what you get when you go to the Levecchio household. It probably had too, too many toasted rabs because we dropped the game to the Heartland Eagles and they were literally like playing, you know, the blind team in the league. So it, it wasn't great for us that we that we went there. Hey, speaking of that uh, Lincoln-Omaha rivalry, Jeff, did you, did you play for Western Michigan? Yep. You know it, baby. The Western Michigan... Western Michigan, Michigan uh, games were were a lot of fun this year. Oh, elect! How fun is Kalamazoo, bro? Oh, the Lost and Lunatics are rowdy, unbelievable. Yeah, that was that was one of the best experiences, and for the rest of my career, no matter how long I play or what happens, that will be top five game of my life ever. Like that. Oh yes. Well, Love scoring a hat trick, scoring a hat trick probably had a little bit to do with it. <laughs> that, that helps. That helps, but it was the the student section was rocking. Hey, how it's, about that how about every electric. time uh, every time Brins touched the puck last year, they were chanting, "What was it like? Four's a bitch or something like yeah. that?" Like yeah. the whole student <laughs> section was, going, was cheering. It was that. going. It was going in. Uh, what was it in warm ups? Like it started in warm ups. It was the craziest thing, and like every time in warm ups that like. Ports would let in a goal, or Westy would let in a goal and warm ups. They're they're screaming, "Chan, you suck!" Like it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> well, real. Well, let's let's talk about last year a little bit, Ruck, because obviously we had the chance to be together for the year, and and uh, what a special year it was. And so I guess just like big picture, just coming in as a true freshman coming out from the national program, you know, what were kind of the expectations for you coming in that you had for yourself, and like coming in what was what was the transition like for you because it is it's a jump for sure um but uh just just talk a little bit about what the the transition was like yeah for me honestly it was it was a bit rockier of a transition than most like i i lived with my family at the national program i didn't bill it i always had which it helped me a lot there but then once i got to michigan i think it kind of um it didn't help me as much because like I wasn't cooking on my own. I wasn't doing my lot. Like I still had my mom cooking. I still had my mom doing my laundry. Like I was still like, I was still like a kid living in my family's in my parents' house. And so once I got to campus, like it was kind of a, a little bit of a shock for me. And uh, I mean, everybody has to grow up at some point. So I feel like last year was a, the first semester was, was crucial for me. I feel like I needed that kind of just uh, to calm myself down a little bit, just tell myself it was, it was all going to be okay. There was a couple tough nights last first semester last year, but uh, it was. I feel like growing up was was the number one thing, and um, I would say it was also weird too because I knew because you eighteen year you're or you seventeen year and you're like all oh, first year NTDP this or even go back before that like you fifteen year you're working to make NTDP get that. You 17 years, your first year at NTDP, you're trying to solidify yourself as a player in junior. Like you're trying to do multiple different things and you 18 year, it's draft year. So like I was always kind of working for something. And so last year I felt like it was kind of weird for me because I knew that I was, I probably wasn't leaving at the end of last year, which eventually I didn't like, I was going to stay. So like, I wasn't really like, I didn't know what to work for. Like I didn't really like set goals for myself, which I think 
really didn't help me out at all. Um, so I feel like this year, like you have to set goals for yourself and you have to like tell yourself, like, don't just like do extra at the rank, like do so much more and like set goals. And so like, I've definitely like set a couple goals for myself this year. And, uh, but last year going in, it was, I didn't really have any expectations, which I think, think kind of affected me. We'll talk about like in that transition. Cause I think one of the things that was really special about our year last year was like the group of guys in the locker room and oh, yeah. you guys had, you know, a huge freshman class, 12 of you in there, but we had Trusk and, and we had Nolan on the podcast. What was that? Like two months ago, Vex in the, in the summer. And I feel like the job that they did as, as leaders and particularly like our senior class and, and, and our captains and stuff, just to welcome you guys in and, and make you feel like you were a part of the team was, was unbelievable. But you also formed like these unbelievable bonds with, you know, guys in your class and stuff. So, you know, because the transition was a little bit tougher, was it a lot of just the guys being there for you and the, and the relationships that you formed in the locker room at the dorms, away from the dorms and just on campus, was that a huge piece to you eventually becoming more? comfortable which led to you you know probably playing better as the year went along yeah definitely I feel like from the ground up I mean like even a guy like Adam Fantilli he's supposed to be in high school last year like he fast-tracked and um like it starting with him is compete every single day in practice and then our sophomore class with Duker, Eddie, Husey like all those guys like Mark like everybody was there for you everybody was competing everybody was in the dry cell room after practice. Like I remember like every single day, like I don't know how many guys were on our team, like 26, 27, every single guy was like cuddled up on the couch, just laughing about stories or doing whatever, telling stories about when this guy was here, there's anything like it was unbelievable. Our team was so close last year. And um, especially like Moyle, like the job Moyle did last year was unbelievable. Like he, like he pulled, a couple of freshmen aside, like, Hey, let's work out today. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like always do an extra, always wanting to like be with you. Like he would invite us over for dinner. He would invite us out to go to a restaurant, like watch the football game. Like he was always including us and always just making us feel welcome. And I mean, it's just natural for a human to feel more comfortable when like you feel like you want, like people want to be around you or want to hang out with you. And uh, so the job that our captains did last year was unbelievable. And it was, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Like people ask me a lot about my experience last year, obviously going to the frozen four and winning the big 10 championship and stuff. And, you know, when it's Michigan, typically people are going to be like, yeah, like must be really cool to like work with those talent, that talented of, of group. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, that's really cool. But what you don't understand is like, we didn't win the big 10 championship because of our talent. Like we won the big 10 and we made the frozen four because our guys gave a shit about each other. And, yeah. and our guys like work through adversity together. And, you know, last year wasn't easy by any means. You know, we had some stuff that, you know, we had to work through and with everything that happened with Holtzy. And, um, but like at the end of the day, like I really felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I really felt like guys cared more about Michigan and guys cared more about like the locker room and the boys than they did about themselves. And yeah. it, for a team as talented as we were, like, that's that's special man like you don't yeah. get that a lot you know so like talk about that experience of just like how you guys got close and just like what that meant to you and what that meant to your experience there i feel like the main thing is like we embraced it like we know everybody hates us like it's like it's michigan like 
we love i would say the main thing that they really like that the upperclassmen and like the sophomores really like harped on us about was like what it means to be a michigan wolverine like what it means to throw on that block m and wear that like with pride and go through it every single day like like look it's the university of michigan man like it's unbelievable they like just the way that they talked about it and like how bad those guys wanted to win another Big Ten championship, how bad they wanted to get back to the Frozen Four and, like, win our last game. Like, they like they just harped on us every single day about, like, like we're going to do this. Like, let's do this for each other. Like, And you can't really, like, become that close unless, like, like you said, like, we went through so much adversity last year. Like, you bond in those times. Like, you – like, and everybody – like, it could have gone one way or the other. Either we drifted further apart or we grow super close to each other and, like – we just went the right way and it was like everybody. And it started again, it started with our leadership core. Like those guys, like every single day, like they were asking guys to come over, hang out, football, do this, do that. Like every single day, like it, everybody, let's play video games. Let's see. Like there was like, I don't even like, I was getting like, I'm like, there's no way. Like they're just trying to include us, but like they actually like enjoyed like hanging out as a team. And like, once you see that, like, them care about it that much it's like well yeah like i love this place too like let's do it let's let's win a national championship here like this is unbelievable and so uh, sadly we fell up store last year but we got got another good squad this year so get them get them we'll be back well uh well jimmy what was that like for you you know as as a dad and and watching rutger go through the ups and downs of of a freshman year in college and but obviously being in the business and and having seen kids that you've coached go through those ups and downs and stuff but then eventually you know just hearing rutger talk about what a positive experience he had at the university of michigan like as a dad how does that make you feel especially knowing what you know in the hockey world and everything I think it. I think it's great for any athlete to face adversity. You know, like he's talking about how the team faced adversity. You know, what they they couldn't win on Fridays and they were winning Saturdays, and they figured that out in the second half. And and I think it goes as an individual, right, as a talent. Like you know, like as great a year that Adam had, he you know he had some ups and downs. And 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 I think what they did is they all grew together. And and I think once they got closer away from the rink, I think you you felt more comfortable. Right. And, and, and I think that's a huge thing in anywhere you're going to go play hockey. You know what I mean? You got to like the coaches, like you got coach Narada, you got coach Rassi and McCall was there last year. He's, you know, he's been there a long time has won won a lot. And, but, but you got to want to play for your coaches too. And, and I think they did a good job teaching them and, and having them prepared. And, and so there was a buy-in from these kids and, and it, I, you can either go one way, like Rucker says, when you're facing adversity and say, hey, you know what, this is too hard. Or are you going to meet a head on? You're going to say, hey, I'm going this way and I, and I want to get better. And, I, and Rucker brought up a great point. Like he's always been chasing. Like he's he's always been like, hey, the U.S. National uh, Select Basketball. And then all of a sudden you're going to a national development program. Then he played up uh, as an underager at U18. So he was chasing that, you know, and, and, and played a different role, which – I believe helped him in his game today. He wasn't a top six. He was a, a fourth liner, maybe in out of lineup guy, which, you know what? It, it's okay to be a fourth liner. You just got to, in order to be that fourth liner, you have to know what it takes to be a first and second liner. And, and I think all what Rucker went through building up to that point and, and struggling in the first half, like, 
let's be honest, he I think he still was averaging almost a point a game, but wasn't playing consistency as good as he wanted to. And 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 he brought that up. And and anything you do, you got to have consistency. And then once uh, the 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 line got together, uh, you saw Brindley and 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 Rocker and and Fantilli. There was chemistry, and and you build that chemistry, and then the the coaches kind of ran with them. And and I thought they did a good job playing together, uh, moving the puck to each other. And and once that all happens, and you feel comfortable in your surroundings, usually success comes to fruition. And and you saw it in the second half. And Michigan had a great great team, and and Patil and the, between the pipes. But I got to echo what Rucker said. Uh, Rucker said like. Uh, Noel Moyle, I've been around this game a long time, and he did a heck of a job. Like probably the best job I've ever seen an individual. I know I wasn't on the bench or anything, but they able to see him bring that team together with Luke Hughes and and even Truscott because they bring different uh, personalities and they lead in different ways. But uh, Moyle just kind of just you could just see his mannerisms and and how he'd go to the bench in between whistles or or when the period was ended and, and he really brought everybody in and, and you could see why, where, where they were at the end and why he was the man. And, 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 and Rucker has been a captain everywhere he's gone, assistant captain, whatever it is. And, and Nazar and, and, and Brindley, these calls, these are the, Mike Hasten always said that when I come to a program, you always want to leave it better than it was. And and I think Noel Moyle did a great job in leaving it better for these younger kids to learn to become leaders and 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 continue to hopefully get to the Big Ten championship and get to the Final Four. So so you got to go through this adversity to get to where you want to be. Yeah, kind of kind of echoing off of that too. Like like Tof, you asked us what like what kind of like made us super close to like like we're kind of hyping up Moyle a lot here, but like. Seeing like a guy like Moyle and Grano, like Moyle was a fifth year last year, Grano was a senior, and like they're playing on the fourth line and seeing those guys like do what they did for like our fourth line, like twelve you were there, like seeing those guys like work and like not bitch, not do anything. Like those guys came in and like knew their role and they embraced it every second of it. And like they didn't care that they were weren't getting 20 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, 13 minutes. Like they would play their game and like dominate and create so much energy for us. And like, once you see a guy like that playing eight, nine, 10 minutes a night and like having that energy and not complaining and like, like it, it's so contagious. Like the energy is so contagious and like, it just makes you love them so much more and builds you so close as a team. For sure. I'm getting like little chills here. Just even thinking about it. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool to say the least. Well, I I do have to ask you another question uh, about last year. And the question I want to ask you, it pertains a little bit to what we were talking about from the practices, but the small area games board, the small area games board. And I've talked on the podcast about um, how we did that last year. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But uh, so like for, for those that haven't heard on like previous podcasts, I know we've talked about it before, but we charted every single small area game last year. If you got a win, you got a tick in the win column as a team. If you, if you got a loss, you got a, you know, you got a tick in the L column and, 
uh, I don't know. I mean, it was like hundreds, right? Like hundreds of small area games throughout the year. And we had, we had the standings and the stats up for the boys to see when they came into the nutrition room or they were walking into the locker room every single day. So I wanted to ask you, cause I got a lot of shit for it. Cause I was the keeper. Oh, of it. So I had, I had to make sure that that thing was dialed in tight because if there was one wrong number or, you know, like I was going to hear about it, but uh, like, what, what did that do for the team? Like, was that something that you guys embraced, like talked about, like what, what, what did that do for you guys? I mean, anytime that like someone's keeping track, I mean, it's just human nature to like really like dial in on it a little bit more. Like, and so like, if you walk in on, an, if you walk in to grab a smoothie and on the board, it says Rucker McCrory third to last, your win percentage is 37%. And it's like, all right, well, that's a little bit embarrassing. Like, I hate that. So like you're bound to just work harder and keep competing and keep trying to win. And uh, yeah, I, I did win the first half. I, I won. <laughs> you throw like, that in there for sure. Just wanted to throw that in the mix. <laughs> Brindley and I won. I think our win percentage was like seventy six or something like that. But who's counting? Um, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, well, funny story about that. Brins and I won first semester. Like it was like we just dominated in practice. And then in our and then second semester or second half, Brins and I were just dead last, like dead last, not even close. I think we were like twenty percent in practice. And Brins and I would look at each other and just say, "What is going on? Like this is ridiculous." Well, there's already I mean, the one difference already- is the the Fantilli guy went on your line. So yeah. you know maybe maybe yeah. he was dragging you guys down. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to get an Adam grill about that. There's already been a couple, already been a couple things this year on that board that fired me up. Really, like inaccuracies? No, not inaccuracies, but like, like one. I'll give you. So we were playing Team White, my team. We win the day two to one, but in that small area game, the series was one one. So they're like, let's play in overtime. One goal. And it was like, all right, like, but like, we still beat you. Like, we're not going to count a game off of this one goal. Like, like, no, like, like the other team was like complaining. Like, no, we are. I and mean, so, so, so they scored, <laughs> made the series two to two. And then, so then we start bitching. We're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, we need to play another game. And they're like, no, like, just like, we don't have enough time. Like, one more overtime. We're like, all right. And then we lost. So, like, we outscored them on the whole, like, if you, like, add up the score on the game, like, we dominated them. But they scored the last two goals, and it was, like, and Brins and I, were, we were fired up. Well, we let, me, let, me, let me ask you <laughs> let me ask you a quick, quick question. Was this a drill? So, you talk about adding games onto the end of it. Was this a drill that the coaches were involved in? Uh, yeah, it was coach rules for sure. Oh, okay. So <laughs> then NAR was in his heaven and NAR was going to play as many games as you guys can. So we can still play. NAR <laughs> just sending cross ice seams, sauce passes, three feet in the air, right on the tape, one timer. NAR and Rash should have been a deep pairing. They should have, they should have figured out who each other were when they were growing up and they, they would have been on the show. They were, yeah. <laughs> Hey, any coaches that are listening to this, what when was this? Do you remember what month this was last year? 
No, this was this was this year. This oh, was- okay. All right, but we got we have a, 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 a you know an unbelievable hockey player here talking about losing a game in practice coaches this is why you make players compete against each other right his ass is still chapped about losing a game in practice weeks ago like like this is so massively important it does so many things one it brings out another level in all your players they're gonna play harder against each other which is gonna make them better also it's gonna make practice more fun which is massively important, I think, for any successful team or any growth. If the players want to be there because they're enjoying what you're having them do, they're going to get more out of practice. And the easiest way to do that, the TOEFL and I always talk about, is battling, competing. Make everything a competition. I don't care if it's who can tie their shoe the fastest. Athletes want to battle and they want to compete. So feed them that juice, right? Yeah, totally. Feed them that juice. There you go. Feed them. <laughs> um, well, I got to ask you, both of you guys, um, you know, right, you're drafting the first round of the NHL draft to, by the Winnipeg Jets. Um, it's everybody's dream to, to get drafted and, and to play in the NHL. I, I want to go to dad first, proud papa moment, I'm sure. Um, you know, when, when Rutt was drafted, you know, on that draft floor, what was that like for you? That must have been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you dream of this uh, as a father when you don't even have kids. Like, you know, like I, I've been able to be a coach for a long time and and coach guys like Levacchio and Stasny and just kind of have seen the success and and the different paths that everybody has taken college to to NHL to playing in Europe and and you're like, oh, maybe I'll have a son someday and and you hope that uh, this is going to come to fruition and. And to be able to, it, it's a crazy story because what happened was Nazar went before Rocker. And and so we're all hugging the Nazars and we're way up at the top and we're enjoying, we're so excited for for Frankie because he's worked so hard and we've known him forever and tight with the family. And and, and all of a sudden we go sit down and and Winnipeg Jets are already up at stage. And, and now they're ready and they're talking, thanking everybody. And then before you knew it, all of a sudden you hear Rucker McGrory. And so it was just like, it, it was unbelievable. And and just uh, probably the, the feeling of relief because of all the work that we, Rucker has done as an individual and, 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 and helping him through the process. But for all of us as a family, like even Molly, Molly's his biggest cheerleader. You know, she's there and they're best friends. And, and Cindy, Cindy is, is the rock behind the McGrody family. And, and she's kept us on the straight and narrow and, and really kept the foundation. And because and, if you have a dream, you got you got to follow this dream. But with this dream is you're giving up a lot. You're giving up friends, uh, parties on Fridays, the dances. You know, you, you live a different life. And, and, and Rucker chose to – we've had multiple con- conversations before moving up, you know, youth hockey and, 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 and getting the juniors. Like, hey, do you really want to do this, kid? Like, we can do something different. You, you don't have to score these goals. Like, you can back off and be a – you know, but he chose his path, and, and our job was to help him get there. So all the the – Probably the relief is probably the the, the biggest, just uh, what he went through. And, and again, there was a lot of people that didn't believe in Rucker. You know what I mean? That he can't do this and he can't skate and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you know what I mean? Like, you know what Rucker did? And he just went about his business every day and, and, and proved himself that, hey, 
if you really want it, you you want to chase it, and it comes to it does come to fruition. And 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 it, and it was it, for Cindy and I as as parents, it's probably the best moment in my life. And I'm not speaking for her, but I I would think she would echo the same thing that this is uh, a proud moment, and uh, we're really we're really proud of your record. Unreal, man. Unreal. Unreal. And Rod, how about for you? I mean, obviously just hearing your dad talk about it a little bit, but take us back to how you were feeling too when uh, when you got drafted. I didn't I, I totally forgot that Frankie was right before. Yeah, that's that's actually really crazy. You guys being teammates for so long and going back to back in the draft there. But um yeah, just talk a little bit about just what it meant to you to get drafted that high and and uh, how you felt afterwards. Uh yeah. I mean it was it was nuts like like I remember sitting up up top. Um, it was also really cool too because uh, it went off of like this one ranking, whatever, blah blah. And I like the ranking had me like super high. Like your seats were like based off this like one ranking, and so my seat was like up here. Like him and Frankie. Yeah, me and Frankie both were like at the very top. Like, so the walk down was real nice. It was real nice. You got to take it, take your time a little bit. It was, it was, it was really nice. <laughs> um, but I remember, uh, like picks one through like, honestly, one through 13 before I got drafted, I was like, there as a fan, like it was nuts. I remember like looking at my dad and my sister, I'm like, they're like, we have a trade to announce. I'm like standing up and like clapping. I'm freaking out. I'm like, cause like I've, I've been to one draft before and like, that's the best thing. It's like, oh, we got a trade to announce. And that's my dad's best favorite thing about the draft, whatever. Like, like you're there as a family. It's that NHL draft. It's so sweet. And then I remember, like, just based off, like, my combine interviews, like, stuff, like, whatever. I, was, I knew that, like, 14 was probably, like, the f- first place I could go. And so, like, you could just feel the, the, in that, the energy in the row just kind of, like, all of us like we're talking before and then 14 hits and like you're like all right your hands start sweating whatever you're freaking out you're like tapping your sister on the on the leg and then obviously they're like oh from the national team development program rocker mcgrady and then from there like you just you just black out like you're hugging everybody you're <laughs> saying hello like you're just like it's it was it was nuts and then honestly like i hate to be like the debbie downer but like like after the draft, it's kind of like, oh, like, like that's it, like that, like that was awesome. Like it was awesome, obviously, but like it was one of the best moments of my life. But it was like, all right, like, and like I remember like a couple people telling me like, oh, like the hard work starts now, and like and then I'm like, oh, like I'm just gonna enjoy the moment, whatever. But like, no, like the hard work started that. Like it's like, like you get drafted, sweet, like, but like now, obviously, like. Like I brought it up like first semester last year, like I struggled. And then like you start to figure out, like you keep growing your game and keep learning and keep working at your craft. And like, it was like the hard work really started like from that day forward. And like, you just need to keep getting better and better. Like you can't just play in the NHL right after you get drafted. Obviously like a couple guys can like my buddy Adam, but, um, <laughs> but like you just got to keep working at it, keep working at it, keep getting better. Like that's, that was the main thing. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned Adam there, and we got the chance to hang out down in Nashville for a little bit, um, you know, for the draft down there. And, you know, for Adam to go number three, and then for him and your other line mate to to go to the same team in Columbus, you know, I know, you know, being up in the box and when when they announced Brindley, like I was with Ras and, and Nar and like, you know, the goosebumps just... Like, you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. But, you know, these are two of your best friends. You know, these are your two line mates for the second half of the year last year. What was that like for you? You know, you had already gone through the process the year before, but then to see Adam have his dream realized going number third overall and then seeing Brins, you know, the, I don't want to say devastation, but we all thought he was going day one in the first round. And when he did, you got to be kidding me. Like, Um, like once you really think about it, like, like, I hate to be the guy to say, oh, it doesn't matter what overall you get drafted. Like, obviously, in your head, like, you're like, oh, I want to be a first-rounder. But at the end of the day, like, Columbus is such a great organization for him, and especially with being there with Adam. Like, it's best-case scenario. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, being there with your best friend, hanging out, like, working with each other, like, that's that's unbelievable. Like, I'm so happy. for. Like, obviously, it sucks in the moment, but, like, like in the, in the long run, in the, like, in the long run, like, it's just, like, that's awesome. Like it's like, yeah, it sucks. You'll go first round, but like, that's, that's unbelievable. For sure. And you talk about those two guys and and like you guys as a line, like, um, and, and Vex, I mean, we've talked about it in this podcast a, a lot already today, but like just the competitiveness of the three of you guys, incredible. Like absolutely incredible, and <laughs> I'm sure you remember even Adam. The, some of the looks that he would give me in practice when I'd call yeah. penalties on him and stuff. Yeah. Um, just, but like, so happy for those guys because like, it's really cool to see people like yourself and those two guys, and and even the other guys that we had on our team. You know, get those moments, those really memorable times because we know how much you care. All you yeah. guys, we know how much you love the game. We know how much you care about your game and your craft, but at the same time, like you always want to root for, especially as a coach, you want to root for like team guys. You want to root for people and and you really want people to succeed who just bleed the team and want what's best for the boys and, and, and through their actions really go about and, and you guys, all three of you guys, and I think everybody on the team, honestly, last year did that. And that's why we had such a special season and, and um, you know, just the the three of you guys, just, especially that day with, with Brins and and Adam getting drafted, like, man, just came full circle. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was unreal. Like I remember the competitive, like some of the best memories have been with those guys. Like, like I remember, Every Tuesday, like second half, we would go out. I think it was like 11 o'clock. We'd go out and skate for an hour and we'd play these like shooting games on the ice. And like, I, I got to be honest, Adam dusted us, like just buried us. <laughs> but like, it was like the competitiveness of it was like unbelievable. Like we'd put that little like fake goalie in the, up on the net and like for an hour on a random Tuesday, like every Tuesday, we we're just out there competing with each other. And like, it was yeah, it, it, that was those are some of the best memories with those two guys. Awesome, awesome, Vex. It's a lot of Michigan talk here. I'm sorry, as a Western Michigan Bronco, I think uh, I think I won one out of eight games against Michigan when I, my three years at Western. So it's all right. I you know at least I got one. <laughs> <laughs> you should, man. Those games that we played them this year, they were absolute battles. Like they were. I mean, what were the games like? Were both of them six five, or maybe like? Yeah. Five four well, or something one, like that. One Moyle scored. Moyle scored with like two and a half minutes left to make it five four, I think. 
And then the next night, Husey scored in overtime to make a 6-5, took the bow in front of the loss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that. I was no, so yeah. pissed. I love it. That's something I would do. But I no, love yeah. it. It was unreal. <laughs> awesome. Well, Vex, you got anything else for these two guys? Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to finish off with, you know, to all the coaches out there, I'm going to try not to get too emotional here, but to all the coaches out there, like what you do really matters. Um, Jimmy was a massively instrumental person in my career. Uh, my last year juniors, I didn't have a scholarship. I still had like a year left in my eligibility, but I, I was like a point a game guy or like really close, you know, to start the year. And, uh, you know, Jimmy really took me under his wing. He grabbed me and he's like, let's do video after every game, after every game, whether it was on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, I'd go into his, in his office over in Billy's training room. And this guy would go through the game with his finger on the VCR button. Cause there was no Exos or no, you know, live barn. Nobody could just give me their shifts. We would sit there and he would press play fast forward. When I wasn't out there, pause, we talk about what's going on, play rewind tape, not working. Like we're no talking stat. No instat, bro. He had to do this, and he did this with me. Or Helios, Helios hockey. There's, there's none of that, and and he did this every game with me for the rest of the season. And I think at one point I was like close to leading the league in like a, a 15 game stretch in points per game, and it was li- and it was literally because of the work that Jimmy did with me. And I got a scholarship because of the work Jimmy did with me. It allowed me to. I wasn't a skill guy. I didn't have Tope's brain on the ice. Like I, I was just meat and meat. There wasn't even potatoes in there. It was just a lot of meat. <laughs> and uh, and Jimmy helped me so much. So hey, thank you, Jimmy. Like literally, I tell everyone there's there's been two coaches in my life that I really look up to and, and gave me a lot of what, how I want to be a coach, you know, really connect with a player, really, really like help a player at a deep level. And you did that for me, man. And it, it changed my career and I played 10 years pro, man. I sucked, <laughs> you know? And, and a lot of that was because of that work you did with me. And I'll never forget that, man. I pre- I appreciate it. And, and as much as you say, I, I did the work. I, all I did was help you and you did the work. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Like it's, e- it's easy to work with kids who want to work, right. you know, they want to get better. Like it, it, and, and that's the one thing. And if I ever work with kids today, it's just like, Hey, I'm only working with you. If you want to get better, it's not going to be easy. You gotta, it's, it's, it's part of the grind. It's part of like, uh, it's part of life really right and 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 put in the work is is what you did on on the ice you did but off the ice is where you put in a lot of the work and and the way you're giving back to kids today you know what i mean is is how hard you worked at, at the rink every single day it didn't matter if it was practice or or picking up the pucks or you know cleaning up the locker room it just that's where you led you it wasn't always scoring a goal or or making a big play or taking a hit you, you did all the other little things that uh, uh earned you the scholarship but also to be able to play for 10 years yeah i appreciate it man it meant a lot a lot of appreciation is, on this one thing is it. i don't know anybody really knows how good tope was Dude, I tell everyone and he gets he gets like he gets like shy when I'm like, guys, he was disgusting. He was five four when college hockey was football on skates and he put in over a hundred points. Like right. That like that and he played like Ivy League where they played like two games a year and he buried a hundred points. Like he was a savage. 
No, no, it was no, fun no, to watch. no. Actually, it is funny, Rudd. I would get so rattled, not rattled, but like it was the first time in my coaching career ever where I wasn't one of the coaches that was like in on the games. <laughs> I just sit there like trying to call penalties or whatever, and Rass and 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 Nard be able to be in there. I'd just be behind them, like, oh god, I wish I could do this. They didn't want now. you to show them up. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I don't think that was the case for sure. Nard um, shooting pucks from everywhere. Are down. <laughs> No, I, I don't think I've ever seen a coach or a player that can shoot a puck. Nart rifles the pill. <laughs> rifles. Don't tell him that, though. Don't pump his ego up. There's, <laughs> no way, there's no way that there's another coach out there that, like, has a better shot. Than I just, like, I haven't seen no him. I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, have you seen him skate? He played at University of Michigan because he had the shot, but it, there was not a whole lot of. I'm just kidding, Nar. I love you. Oh, that's so true. I, did you guys do the like the Ryan Hardy experience thing back in the day, Rut? Did you go to that or no? I, I did not. I did not. So it might have been the year. It might have been the '04 year. Um, or I can't remember what year it was, but either way, like a bunch of us went in there to, to either speak or work at the camp or whatever. And Nar was doing some of his skill development with people out there. And I had just got to the building driving in from uh, New York and I walk up into the stands and, uh, and I saw a family of a kid that was there. And so I was just saying hello. And the mom, the first thing she says is like, have you, do you know who that coach is out there? And I'm like, yeah, that's, it's Brandon around. I know him really well. And she's like, man, could he shoot the puck? <laughs> the first thing she says, I'm like, oh my God, if I tell Nar this, he's going to be like on cloud nine. Unbelievable. <laughs> Is that Gilmore again? <laughs> Nar's got the best shot in town and Rass has got the best hair in town. True that. Very, very true. Very, very true. Uh, well, guys, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast with us here today. It was a lot of fun. Rut, I'm actually going to see you this weekend. I'm heading really? up. Yep, I'm heading up oh, to uh, uh, the Big Ten ceremony. Yeah. Yep, for the football game. So I'll give you a big hug up there. Looking forward Perfect. to seeing you guys. Miss you guys. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see you this weekend. And thanks so much for taking some time out of the night to to hop on the podcast here. Thanks, thanks so much, guys. Thank Appreciate you guys. It.